welcome to this week's episode of the Founder and the Force Multiplier podcast, where we explore how founders and leaders work together with their right-hand partners to turn ideas into action and build wildly successful businesses. Today, I'm speaking with Crystal Brannon. Crystal is an integrative nutrition coach who works with busy people who are looking for ways to reduce stress and incorporate a healthy lifestyle into their day-to-day. Prior to starting her own coaching business, Crystal spent over a decade working in corporate banking. She also served as a force multiplier before going all in on her business, helping others find balance and growth in their lives. Crystal helps you take a step back and regain your soul, who you are at the core. By bringing forth your personal intuition, you will open your eyes to the magic that is life, all the while finding your purpose and enjoying life instead of struggling to keep up. Crystal will help you remove roadblocks and be your guide on your growth journey. Crystal and I had a wonderful conversation about having the courage to listen to yourself, knowing when to step back and shift focus, and how to come back from burnout and bounce forward into the next phase of your growth and your life. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I think you will, then be sure to let us know in all the usual places, such as leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode. Hi, Crystal. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I am so good, Holly. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. Well, we're going to just jump right in. So let's start by having you tell us in the audience a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, I'll do the the short version because we'll probably get into some of the questions a little bit later and give you a bit more of the extended version of it. Essentially, I'm a coach. I'm a mentor. I'm a past force multiplier, current founder, and I actually help people overcome stress and burnout and really learn how to find that inner balance inside of themselves, learning how to listen to their intuitive nature that we all have. Yeah. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Cool. How, yeah, like let's go back into some of the history of this. (laughs) Yes. How did you get from, or what was, did your career and life look like as a force multiplier? And even prior to that, how did you move into becoming a founder and talk to me a little bit about what, you know, your life looked like, what the, your career looked like on your way to, to where you are now? Amazing. That's a pretty decent story. So I will try to keep it to the the most concise. I know we have some time here, but you know, at the same time, I want to make sure that it's like streamlined. (laughs) So I actually had a very interesting career. I started when I was about 23 years old working in the banking industry and coming into that industry, I'd come from a previously pretty rough I would say rough early adulthood. I started living on my own when I was 13, 14 years old, working full time while I was going through high school, basically making my way through life with a lot of struggles. And when I got into my early twenties, you know, people kept telling me, well, Crystal, you know, you need a professional job. Like you need to find something that's going to be stable. And because of the tumultuous lifestyle that I had had, you know, like situations that had happened, going to, going to school traditionally and going, you know, like having, you know, living at home with your parents, having your student loans and all that kind of stuff. That was not something that had come naturally to me. It was still something that I struggled through. And so, you know, I was going to school at night and doing all those things, but never really sticking with anything. I did a lot of like courses in psychology. I actually did a program in special care counseling, which was to help people that had, you know, developmental disabilities and stuff like that. But I never ended up finishing it, you know, due to the constraints of the current life that I had been living. And so thinking about that, I was like, what am I going to do with myself? Like I'm 20, 22 years old. Like I'm working in retail, you know, working as a store manager. I worked in so many different places, but, you know, I climbed that that ladder very quickly because I knew that without the traditional education, I had to have something behind me to prove that I was capable of doing what I was doing. And so I got a job at a bank as a customer service representative. And at the time I was the youngest customer service representative that I think that they had hired in all of the downtown Montreal. 
Montreal area because, you know, all the tellers had been there for probably 20, 30 years and they had started to open up positions. And so I got this job and I remember getting in there and saying to myself, I'm going to be the next assistant branch manager. And I remember everybody telling me, no, you're not like, you know, you come in, you be a customer service representative and, you know, you're going to be here for at least a good five years because, you know, you got to learn and blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm never going to do that. I'm like, I need to climb. I need to get, you know, I need to like make my way in this industry and I need to do it any way that I possibly could. Yeah. And so that's how it started. And l- literally, I think 15 months in, I became the first assistant branch manager of customer service in one of the largest branches in the downtown Montreal core. And then from there, you know, my career just kept going. But, you know, the crazy thing about it is that because at the time education was something that was super, super important. And in the finance industry, they put a very, very, uh, I can't explain, I don't know the exact words that I'm looking for here, but like they put such an importance on having that degree. Right. Um, anything that I was trying to do kept coming back to, you don't have this, so we can't give you that. We don't have this, so we can't give you that. And so I spent so many years fighting against the system, the box. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of had my first burnout when I was 25 years old. I had been, it's been, it had been about three years that I had been in the bank. Again, top of my game, subject matter expert. I was the customer service manager that people would go to because I had kind of created that role. Well, not created it, but like I was one of the first people to do it. Right. So I had a really, really good foot in the door for experience. And I made one mistake, one mistake. I had unlimited limits. I had discretion on all kinds of things. And one mistake that they deemed a mistake that I didn't deem a mistake. So even to this day, I don't deem it a mistake. Mm -hmm. But my whole credibility literally got thrown to the ground. Mm -hmm. And it was my first experience realizing that I was the subject of the work that I did. I was the work that I did. I wasn't crystal. So... I didn't have a foundation of knowing who I was, how I was strong, because I was strong because of the work that I did. I was good because of the work that I did. And so the moment I had that rug pulled out from under me, it was kind of my first experience with burnout. Now, back then, I didn't believe in burnout. I was I was that boss that, you know, I would get the HR slip that said going on burnout leave for three weeks. And I was like, what kind like what could possibly be so difficult in your life and I to this day I cringe when I hear myself saying these words out Mm -hmm. loud those were the words that I was thinking yeah I've been there too I understand yeah (laughs) and I was like you know what, what what's so difficult in your life like we've all had and so even while I was going through it I I had to take a forced three-way vacation because I couldn't function I didn't know it was a burnout I took a vacation and when I came back I bought a house (laughs) I changed branches and jobs And I literally just completely changed my life. I didn't look at my life and what was going wrong. I just completely changed the circumstances to be able to kind of run away from what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. And again, the cycle continued. You know, I I kept climbing the ladder, being the subject matter expert, being the person that people go to and click, 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 click. And it came to a head in 2017 after a really crazy year. The last five years, I was a project manager and a change manager, and I was leading teams across the country. I was doing a lot of upward leading. I had VPs and senior vice presidents that I had to report to. And I also had to coach them on the the, the changes that were going to be happening across this, you know, whole corporate structure. And again, top of my game, 
And I was working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks with no help, or it felt like no help. I can't, I really put the blame anywhere because part of, I'll I'll go into that, but the blame was on myself. Right. I didn't know it at the time that the blame was on myself, but November 1st, 2017, I took my first vacation after spending almost 30 days on the road. And I ended up in my doctor's office and I couldn't speak. I couldn't, I, I was bawling. Like I'd never bawled before because I didn't know what was going on with me. I just, I had nothing left in me. There was nothing left in the gas tank. And that was my first experience. And she told me, she's like, Crystal, you're, you're in a burnout. Yeah. Like I'm not in a burnout. (laughs) She's like, you can't work. Like you can't even speak. How could you work? And so that was kind of my first experience with it. But, you know, I lost all sense of who I was because I didn't know who I was without my job. Yes. I wasn't Crystal, the wife or the friend or the daughter, or, you know, like I didn't have passion projects. I didn't even have passion in myself. Like, what are the things that I liked to do? I liked to work. Like there's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. So your whole identity really just became uh, your work identity. It was my work identity. And so I went through, it was almost nine months that I was off, but I went through a major depression in the month of November, December, and even January. In March, I realized that I had been suicidal and I didn't know it. I was lying to my therapists. I was lying to my friends. I was lying to my family. I was lying to myself. Yeah. It was so scary to think that I had all of this beautiful life that I had created and that I wasn't happy. And that's where the, that's where like the tipping point happened. I ended up starting to go back to work a little bit and uh, it didn't work. Mental health in the workplace. We talk a really good game in most workplaces, but unfortunately we're still working in silos and the people who are leaders in a lot of our businesses. And I'm not just talking about where I worked and I I can't take away from all of the support that I ended up, I, I did end up having, but we still don't put enough emphasis on personal development, not just professional development, personal development, and also having those open conversations around like, are you okay? Right. And helping to actually equip our employees and our team members with the tools that they need for that per- that personal, those personal growth tools that will actually help them navigate those exactly. issues or even actually be able to identify them before you hit that breaking point. Can I ask you a couple of questions about about that experience and, you know, feel free to share as much or as little as you'd like. Oh, I'm an open book, Holly. Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's a, it is a, it's a sensitive topic for some people, but it's, it's stuff that I, I mean, I'm so appreciative of you talking about it because your experience is probably more universal than we, we may know. Um, Mm -hmm. So I do appreciate you, you talking about it. I was wondering how up until that 2017 point, what was keeping you going before, up until you hit that point? Oh, wow. That's such a good question. I just got shivers thinking about it. Actually, it was, it was proving to the world for me, what was keeping me going was proving to the world that I was more than just my diploma. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And anything like that external, I'm assuming maybe as being that external validation rather than getting the, the validation. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. It was the external validation because I kept being told that you cannot do this unless you have this. And I was like, yeah, watch me, watch yeah. me. And I kept doing that, but you're fighting a very big system. You're fighting a very big system. And it's so fun now to see people like Gary V talking about like your college and your university education is not the education that you're actually going to be using most of your career. Right. So to have somebody that's that vocal and prominent about how, you know, we change 
so many times over the course of our lifetime that what we did when we were 20 is not going to be who we are when we're 30 and when we are when we're 40. And so even when I was going through that, at 2017, I was turning, I think I turned 37 that year. I was like, I'm coming to 40 years old. Like, what have I been doing for my whole life? Like, 40 in my mind back then was the end of the world. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. I'm not, I'm not quite 40 yet, but I, but now I actually am like 40 feels like, I like you're finally, and maybe this is because I've gone through a similar experience. It's yeah. so funny that you mentioned this November of 2017. That was actually the exact same date for my, me as well. Yeah. Uh, November of 2017 but there's this beauty in having gone through this process. And I'm, you know, hopefully that others can learn from us. They can, they don't necessarily have to go through quite as much as we have, but, but the end result being that you now understand who you are and understand what's important to you and what you value and who and what deserves your time and energy. That's the, that was the beauty for me. Anyway, that was like the beautiful end result of this, of this. But if we can help people get there without having to go through all of that pain, exactly, um, that's the crazy thing. We've done our job. <laughs> exactly. When I look back at, at at everything that I've gone through, I realize that like I'm able to help people not get to that point, or if they are at that point, that there's somebody there that knows what they're going through to help them get through that. Because, you know, as you know, I, I heard something this morning on a book that I'm reading. <laughs> AKA the book that we're reading, <laughs> but you know, they were talking about, you know, going to therapists and you know, I'm not going to knock it whatsoever because therapy is super important. I mean, I went to therapy. I still go to therapy. We all do that kind of stuff, but if we're not connected to the right person that has never been through it, it doesn't matter all the tools that the education system can give you. If you cannot relate to the person that is sitting in front of you and you cannot empathize with them or, you know, having had been there through that same tumultuous time in your life there's something to be said about the growth that can be happening when you're hand in hand with somebody who has lived it yes yeah absolutely that reminds me of on the on kind of on the business side I think it's Ben Horowitz talks about in his book the hard things about hard things like during challenging times in business during like wartime in business you can't be listening to people who have to these business gurus who have never, you know, even managed a fruit stand. That's his, his example, but it's the same thing in business as it is in our personal, our personal lives. I'm not going to knock therapy either. I mean, again, it's it's an amazing tool to have, but to be conscious of who you are learning with learning from and, and connecting with, because that can actually, yeah, affect your, your progress. Absolutely. And, you know, just, just to, to, to side note on that, you know, my journey didn't start in 2017 to like, create all this. I knew that I had a problem, but I didn't know what my problem was tied to. Mm. So I had spent from the time that I was 25 years old, I gained like crazy amounts of weight. I went from like a hundred pounds to 130 pounds in the span of like six months, gained 30 pounds in six months. I was not able to remove it. Like it was not able to come off my body. I had digestive problems. I ended up having to take like, I think something like I don't remember if it was 20 milligrams or something higher than that every single day of antihistamines because I had massive allergies all the time. I had very bad hormonal imbalances. I had acne. I had literally everything. And there was no doctor that could tell me what the heck was going on. And so I had started doing the health and wellness. I started to clean up my life, uh, Mm -hmm. removing toxins, removing endocrine disruptors, replacing my cleaning products with more natural solutions, using essential oils instead of fragrances and like doing all that stuff. But I never, ever, ever got to the root cause. And the root cause was the stress. 
stress. Yeah. And that chronic stress is just, it's so damaging to our bodies. Very. And we don't even realize it. So many people still don't realize it. And unfortunately, our medical system is to treat symptoms. We treat the symptoms and we don't look for the actual cause. And there are a lot of really good doctors out there. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of time for doctors to actually spend to understand where things are coming from. So we treat the symptom. We hope that our clients or their clients are going to find the steps that they need. But unfortunately they don't have an hour every single time that they see you. And they're not like therapists where you meet with them weekly or bi-weekly so that they can actually go through that whole, that whole scenario. And unless you have this, I call it, it's, it's a village. We need a village. We do that with our children, but we need the same thing as adults, right? We need our massotherapists, our osteopaths, our naturopathic doctors. We need our nutritionists, our dietitians, our coaches, our mentors. Like there are so many people that come into this beautiful village. And if we don't think about those things, we omit the fact that they're very, very pivotal parts of our lives. And most people that I talk to, they take certain portions and stick with the portion. But again, it's, it's, it's a 360 situation and it's a 24 seven journey Mm -hmm. for your life. It is not for a period of time in your life. It is for your whole lifetime. And once we get that growth happens over your lifetime, it just gets so much easier to know that it doesn't matter that if you're 42 years old today and you don't know something, you can know it by the time you're 45 and it's never ending because up until the day that you die, you are learning. Yeah. I, I, I love that you mentioned that because a growth in general, it's, you don't arrive as like a whole and complete person, you know, like you just are always iterating and evolving and growing and and learning and changing. And that is just part of, I think about just part of the human experience. But if we're always looking, I mean, there's, there's definitely value in setting goals. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but the goal is not, the goal is just the end game, right? It's just a step along the greater, the greater journey. It's like a little checkpoint or guidepost or whatever. And, and especially when we talk about our mental health and our physical health, it is, it is, there's no goal that, you know, end point, no completion point. It just needs to be a continuous journey. Today, you are the youngest you will ever be in your whole life. Yes, I know that. I, I love that. Actually, my brother-in-law has been saying that a lot lately. And it's like, we'll never be as young as I am right now. And I'm like, man, you know what? That's so true. And so what can I, you know, what can we do to live? I've been hearing a lot of the term health span instead of lifespan. It's not just about how many years we live. Of course, it's about how many of those years can we live healthy and full of energy and vibrant and, and, you know, full of the full of life during the time that we do have here on earth in this physical body. Yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to mention one other thing about the whole stress concept. And I, and I thankfully feel like because we're more people are having the kind of conversations that we're having that I think the tide may be turning but let's, you know, the past, those kind of 10 years, I, I'm assuming that you're talking about like 25 yeah. to 37, 35, yeah. same deal for me, that kind of that, that 10 years. And I don't know if it was just part of history, but being, being stressed was like a badge of honor. Oh my God. You know? Yeah. I'm so stressed out. I'm hustling. I'm grinding. It's like, I'm a multitasker. I used to go into yes. interviews saying like, I thrive on stress. Give me more and I can achieve yes. anything. Yeah. Yeah. And while there might be some truth to that, right? Like you might work well under pressure or you can handle chaos really well. That's different than us 
and society just this constant operate constantly operating mm-hmm. at this super super high stress level yeah. but it was like it was like cool to be stressed all of the time yeah. Yeah, um it really was really I feel like the tide is shifting in the other direction and people are starting to really understand that that does not serve you well long-term it might help no. you hit a goal but it's not going to yeah. serve you well long-term with your for your for your life mm-hmm. um but yeah unfortunately we're hitting a really good we're hitting a really good generational time span and i think that yeah. if you continue to have and this is why i'm so passionate about what i do now is because we need to keep having these conversations because it's not going to go away and i don't want to get back to a point where those 10 15 years come back to haunt us again and we yeah. still you know all like i said you know a lot of smaller businesses small to medium sized businesses are really taking the reins on that but there's still a lot of large corporations. And unfortunately they're still working in silos. And as much as we want to get the information, so the information needs to transfer from leadership to leadership, to leadership, to leadership, which means that the personal development game in these huge organizations needs to be at the forefront, personal Mm -hmm. development, not the professional development, because we're always going to have the professional development. But if we're teaching our, I remember doing a course while I was at the bank, it was a leadership and training program. And it's funny because we did the leadership and training program, but yet they wanted us to manage. Mm, very yeah. different. You can yes. be a manager and you can be a leader. And I remember being a leader in my, in, in, in my time in that financial institution. And I kept being told you need to manage, not lead. And I was like, wait a second, something's not working here. Yeah. I was going to say for people who might not be familiar with that, that leadership versus management, how do you define the differences between the two? So leadership, there's a, there's a very Um, For me, leadership is about having the emotional intelligence and the ability to be able to connect with people. Mm -hmm. Managing people is taking care of the numbers and making sure that you're hitting targets. Anybody can do that. I don't care who you are. If you are giving somebody targets and you say you need to achieve A, B, C, well, you take those numbers, you break them down, you give them to A, B, C person in the business and you tell them that they have to do the job. Mm -hmm. Leadership is really about inspiring people to get those numbers and those targets to be achieved. I remember having, you know, I had a whole team of mine. We were about 12 or 15 customer service representatives that reported to me. And in one of the first quarters of the year, all of them won awards for having achieved their targets. And not once did I talk to them about achieving their targets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah, because so you were influencing them to grow. You were you were coaching them. I'm sure to. to they grow. wanted to work for me. Yeah, they wanted to work for me. They wanted to be in the presence of somebody who would inspire them and help them to achieve their goals in the most in the most I I, I don't know the most human way possible. That's awesome. Yeah. So in 2017, so when you took that nine months off. Did, had you left your job or was just a bit of a hiatus? And then how did you, what, when did the transition start happening to starting your own company? Yeah. So that's a great segue. Yeah, I was about off for nine months. And as I was nearing, like, I have to go back to work now because my insurance is not paying anymore. I had done some previous progressive returns. And unfortunately, again, my mental health was suffering every time I went back. Wow. And I realized that I myself had spent 15 years jumping from job to job within the banking sector because it was the same company that I had been working for, right? I had the comfort zone of the paycheck, but I was able to easily change jobs to give me new challenges. But I knew that my behavior was not going to change. And so I knew personally I had to do radical. I ended up 
starting to look for jobs. And I ended up finding a real estate team that was looking for an executive assistant who happened to be part of the Keller Williams banner. And he was looking for a force multiplier. And so I was like, you know what, this is, I I could do this. Who knows, right? Like, I mean, with all the experience that I had in leading teams and creating processes and systems, I was like, you know what, I can do this because, you know, that's a force multiplier, somebody that can execute on things. Like we take in the information, we find a way to do it and we execute. And we usually execute with some serious precision. And so I took this job with this real estate agent that was through the Keller Keller Williams banner. And that year taught me so much. One, it the first thing that it taught me was that I was starting to be honest with myself. I remember coming into that role and I was like, I don't want goals. That was the first thing I told them. I said, if you want me, you want me for my skills, you want me for my personality. I go, but I don't want to hear about where I'm going to be in five years because that's what I've been living for so long. So he allowed me to have that freedom. Like I was, I was slowly, but surely starting to be able to speak for myself and stand up for myself. I still didn't know what it was that I wanted though. I just, I was searching for something that was not what it was, but I knew that I had to change my behavior. And so I was in that year, I was able to change my behavior. And so I learned so much because I also did the founder force multiply. I read the book. We did the 30, 60, 90 day, you know, program. Like we did so many things. And I guess that for me was, even though it was professional development, it was personal development for me. I really learned a lot about myself in that year. And I realized in August of 2019, It was not serving me anymore. I did not feel like I was in my place. I did not feel like, I didn't feel like I was the right person for him. And I didn't know what I needed, but I just knew I needed to not be there. I can't even explain it. And so I went from, again, banking, six-figure salary, pension, benefits, guaranteed salary bonus to $50,000 a year, no benefits, no bonus, no pension. Like, I mean, there was bonuses, but like there was no pension, no structure, no nothing to quitting that job with no idea of what I, what the heck I was going to do. And I had always said to myself, I, I put this in my notes when I wanted, I used to say to myself, I, you know, I, I can't have my own business because I'm really good at running other people's businesses. Mm. That limiting belief was so crazy. I, I believed in it so, so many years. Cause I'd been told for so many years that I, I can own my own business, that I could do my own thing. And again, I didn't have the education and there was no Gary V's at the time telling me that like, it didn't matter. Right. <laughs> I, I still had this crazy limiting belief that education, if I didn't have it, then I would be kind of screwed. And I, and yes, I did do education throughout the years, but I never formally finished a degree. I have thousands of classes, thousands of trainings, but I don't actually have that. Hi, I have a bachelor. Yeah. I don't have that piece of paper. I mean, I do have a piece of paper now, but like oh, that's, oh. That's another, <laughs> I have another piece of paper, but again, it's a different, it, you know, it was a different, it's a different life now for me. And so leaving there 24 hours after I quit my job, my stress left me in the form of a tumor that they found in my body. I got very, very sick. I was hospitalized. And I got very sick. I had an emergency surgery to remove the tumor. And even the doctors told me that there's like, there's no way we have no idea what this was. Mm. There's no reason for it to have been there. It's a spontaneous growth. And then it clicked. Everything clicked. I finally said yes to myself. Mm. And it decided that it wanted to release me. Literally, it's like instantly the world changed. So I, I have this moment, this, this crazy, like, oh my God, my intuition is telling me something. And then I was like, okay, now I don't have a job. 
and I'm on sick leave. So I have time. So for the first time in my life, I had time to think. Yeah. And I'd always wanted to help people. I, I just didn't know how. And I had always been helping people. I had always been that like coach, mentor for everybody in my life. And I wanted to dance and I wanted to do public speaking and I just didn't know how to do it. And so I went and got my Zumba teacher training and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go and teach Zumba to start. And we're going to see where that goes. And the more I started researching, like either going back to school to become a naturopathic doctor or, you know, even going back to take psychology program, you know, like what did I want to do? This program popped up on my Google after having listened to me, and it was the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And it's actually a coaching program. It teaches you how to coach people. And it's not only about nutrition, like it's nutrition in the source. It's nutrition from the source. It's what you nourish your brain, what you nourish your heart, your body, your mind, and also what you put in your mouth. And that program is is designed, obviously, to, to bring coaches out of the program, but it's also designed in a way that if you need coaching yourself you are massively learning. Yeah. And I fell in love. I, I, that was the first time I invested in myself. I dropped like 7,000 Canadian, which was like, oh my God, I like, I don't even know. I don't even have a job. Like, how am I going to do this? And uh, I didn't even know at that time that I wanted to have a business. Mm. I had no idea. I just, I said to myself, like, I'm going to do this. And it just, it converted. I started in December and I had my first clients in January. Wow. So you know, I started to believe in myself more. I started to break down those limiting beliefs. I had done also work previously on my own mindset. And I, again, I had done the work. So I, I think we said this in a conversation we were having the other day, the difference between understanding and knowing. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of things that I, uh, that I knew, but I didn't understand. And when you know something, you know, like somebody tells you, so, oh yeah, I know that. Do you really know that? Or do you understand it? Like, do you really deep down understand what it is? You know, when we talk about limiting beliefs, so many people have heard about it and we can take a look at the Google, you know, definition and we can go and do some reading, but until you actually start doing the work on your own limiting beliefs and start breaking down who you are as a person, where did these things come from? How they're blocking, blocking you, how they're even, cause not all, all beliefs are limiting, but like there's some that empower you. There's some that block you and how, where did they come from? that's the real understanding. And so I just decided, I was like, I can do this. And I was lucky enough to have a husband that was very supportive. I had no friends of mine really that were entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really have a crowd around me that were entrepreneurs. So it was very, it was very difficult. The transition, I felt very alone. You know, they teach you how to coach people, but they don't teach you how to write, run a business. They don't teach you about your accounting and how you need to like start thinking about expenses and budgets and all the things, like, how do you even break down how much you're going to charge somebody? Like, <laughs> I think my first three month program, I charged like $300 and we were doing seven sessions oh, and like, with all the notes that I was doing for them afterwards, because my program is very like, it's an intuitive program. We'll have a session like this. We'll talk for an hour, but after I get off the phone, I have so many downloads that I want to pass on to you. And so I spend time writing down notes and like giving you additional information that was not in our coaching calls. And, you know, I think I was making $10 an hour if you really look at the amount that I was putting in there, but it was such a great experience and yeah, just, yeah, great experience. How did you start learning all of the ins and outs of actually running the business? Trial by fire. I think that was kind of the first thing, but I was, I wanted to be around, you know, 
I put this quote down. Confucius says, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I realized for a long time, for that period of time, I was in the wrong room because I didn't have people around me who were entrepreneurs. And a lot of us, if we're not in the entrepreneurial world, even though we might be like as force multipliers, you're an entrepreneur. Like you are your founders like right arm, like you're the body of their business. Like you are the mouth of their business. And you might not believe that you're an entrepreneur just because you have the title of a job and you're being paid by somebody else. But having that entrepreneurial mindset is so pivotal, but you need to be in a room with other people that are like that. You can't be the smartest person in the room. And I realized that I had so much to learn from. And so I was lucky enough to get in on a mastermind. It was a morning mastermind. It was all real estate entrepreneurs. And I was not a real estate entrepreneur. Like I had, (laughs) I just happened to be, I I happened to be invited to this morning mastermind. And every morning from six to seven in the morning, we would get on there and one person would share what they are currently working on and what their struggles were as an entrepreneur in their world. And the whole team would brainstorm and talk about, you know, the things they could do. And then the week after they would ask them like, Hey, what did you do? Like, did you do what we talked about and how did it work? And I started to see that even though you could be in as an entrepreneur, you can be an entrepreneur for so many years, we all have the same struggles. Yes. So I didn't realize that. I really didn't know until I was in it. And so I spent about a year in there. And then I joined another networking group, Business Net. BNI, Business Networking International. I'm part of a BNI chapter and grew throughout the pandemic. Very cool. Yeah. There's so many amazing resources out there now for entrepreneurs. And I do think that, um, you know, it's not necessarily a super common step yet to move from force multiplier to founder, but I do think that force multipliers in general are very well positioned to be, to start their own businesses for many of the reasons that you just mentioned, like we, maybe we're not taking the ultimate risks because we're the employee, but we are certainly helping navigate those risks, make decisions, and then, and then implement the one difference I do think though, is that there's the risk inherent in becoming a founder. Yes. And to me, that's always what has held me back. I'm very risk averse. So I'm just curious. And, and that's just, kind of my natural, my natural path. I'm not necessarily interested in becoming a founder. However, I know there are people who are. So how did you kind of move through that fear? If there was fear and ultimately kind of take that, take that risk and, you know, what steps went into that? I remember the first month that I stopped getting unemployment insurance and I was like, I need to make at least 2000, like 2000 didn't seem like a lot of money at the time. Like for, well, it seemed like a lot of money, but I'm like, I have to make $2,000 a month and put the roof over my head and the food in my mouth. Yes. And I remember that it was coming up and I was just like, how am I going to do this? And manifestation is, is huge. I'm not a crazy manifester. I'm not like a specialist in it or anything, but I do a lot of research on manifestation and abundance and, you know, calling into the universe, the things that you want and not calling in the things that you don't want. And so I, I, I I removed all stress from it, all stress from the doing. Mm. I was just like, this is right. I am doing what is right. I am doing what I need to be doing. I am living my why. I am living what it is that I need. And I know that I'm going to be okay. And I I made more than $2,000 that month. And it just continued from there. And so there are always going to be risks when you're putting in, when when you're deciding to, uh, to run a business. There's going to be financial risks. There's going to be the mental risks, right? Because again, when I decided to go into this, I said to myself that I was not going to be the same crystal that I was when I was working at the bank. 
So I had to set boundaries for myself. Nobody else was going to set them for me. Right. Because you could easily have worked another 80, hundred hour work weeks every back into burnout. Yeah. Like I, today I don't work more than 30 hours a week. My goal is to work 20 hours a week max. And my, you know, even bigger goal than that is to work even less and to be able to give back more. And so as my business grows, I want to be in schools. I want to talk to teenagers about this because the earlier that we get into these, these systems that are basically in place to tell people that they need to take every single step that we don't necessarily want to take that we have to like to live that American dream. Like I'm, I'm a Canadian and I was trying to live the American dream. Like white picket fence, the car, the this, the that. And I was climbing all of these ladders, but I had no idea when I got to the top, I was like, what do I do? Just die? Like, right. Yeah. Like why, why, what was the, right. What was why the am I doing this? And I had yeah. no why. And so today it's like, I, it's not that I don't want to work. It's that I want to be able to give back my time. Like if I'm going to be working 20 hours, then I'm going to be having conversations with either one-on-one clients or being in, in companies or doing public speaking events. The other part of my time is going to be giving back is going to be, I'll be able to trade the, the the money that I'll be making to be able to go and help underprivileged kids, teach them about these things and teach mm-hmm. mothers. There's so many mothers out there that lose their sense of identity, especially when they become mothers, mm-hmm. right? They, they become the mother. They're no longer the human being that was there prior to, to, to giving birth. So yeah, it's all about helping people. Well, you started talking about your why. So I have to, I have to ask about that. What is your why and how does somebody go about it's just, it's I, the why is this big to me, it's like this big, scary, unidentifiable word sometimes. So how does somebody go about finding their why if they're not sure what it is? So there's tons of different ways to go about finding your why. I said, my why is to help people, but even, you know, that has to go deeper. And I have my notes somewhere about my why. And there's a lot of t- different techniques, right? Like just in that, in general, to want to be able to help people. It's like, you got to start looking at why you want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you have to keep asking yourself question, questions. You got to keep asking yourself why. My why is to help others create a life that they were always meant to live. Why? Because I want to help people. And in order to be able to help people, I need to make money to be able to help people. Why, why do I really want to help people? Because There's so many people suffering in silence about their mental health challenges. Why are people suffering? Because they feel like they can't speak freely. Why can't they speak freely? You're continuously asking yourself why. You keep breaking it down into the most granular. And I know Tony Tony Robbins has a program and part of one of his programs is breaking down the why, but he literally says, you need to ask yourself why at least 10 times. Yeah. And I would say that it even goes deeper than that. Every part of that phrase could be broken down to to more whys but it's important to understand that your why is very different than somebody else's why and I think that again going back to that whole conversation about finding what it is for you that's why my programs are so intuitive it has nothing I cannot put my program into a box I can't I won't because Mm -hmm. I live in a box for so long and the things that work for me will not necessarily work for Hallie and the things that work for Hallie won't necessarily work for, for Devon, you know, like, like it, every, every single person is different and it's super important that we find what works for us. Yeah. So, so true. I mean, everybody is, well, we two things. One, we all are motivated and driven by different things. And so much of that comes back to our, our nature, whatever our, na- our nature is in the best. I mean, I know we go back to like the animals and stuff, but 
in terms of just nature, like I, my nature is to be more introspective and I like to spend a lot of time by myself and I like to read and there's other people's natures who they want to be out in front and speaking and presenting and, and while our whys might be, be similar, how we implement and execute the, those whys are going to look drastically different and therefore our lives may look different, but you're right. It's so, it's so individual. And Um, I think like, that's why the American dream or the Canadian dream or whatever dream it is that you're following is not something that's sustainable because you haven't figured out what your dream is. Right. Yeah. And I had a client while we were working together and she's, I used to be called the dancing queen. And she's like, I haven't danced in 20 years. Oh, wow. And when she started to dance again, her life changed. Wow. Yeah. Your life changes when you find the things that you're, you remember who you were, the things that you were passionate about. Like, I didn't know that I wanted to be like when I was in my twenties, when I was working at the bank, like I never thought about the little girl that wanted to be a doctor or a dancer. I never Mm. thought about her, but at 39 years old, I thought about her and I remembered, I'm like, oh my goodness, I wanted to help people when I was three years old. And I knew that. Yeah. I think that's so, such a great point that you brought up because I always like to to ask people or people I'm coaching or just having conversations with. I also like to just say like, you know, what did you like to do as a child? Because we didn't have those limiting beliefs put on us. We didn't have society, societal pressures yet, depending on what age we're at. But so much of it is about figuring out who we are now. I It's not necessarily about discovering a new version of ourselves. I always say it's actually just about uncovering and peeling back those layers of who, because we are, we're, we're there already. Yeah, We've just put so much crap on top of it that we forgot about it. And, and much like you always wanted to help people. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if I have a perfect why, you know, if I can say it perfectly. I don't think there is a perfect why, why, how yeah. that's yeah. why we need to start removing that, that pressure, that societal pressure that we're being put on ourselves. Because even yes. when, I mean, I remember doing Tony Robbins program and I was sitting there, I was writing my why. And, you know, I walked out of there and I was like, I know this works for some people. Yeah. I know this works for some people. They can come up with their why. And I couldn't for the life of me come up with like a solid sentence. Right. For my why. Right. Not okay. For me, it was okay, but I had to learn how to listen to myself and tell myself that it was okay. Well, otherwise, yeah. if I was comparing myself, yeah, and I even really and I like that you just very simply share. And maybe this isn't your whole why, but you can just say my why is to help people. Like it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. No. And that is really a driving force. Like you can help people by opening the door. You can help people by changing their life through coaching. You can help people by being on a podcast like this. There's so many different ways that you're able to fulfill your why on a, on a daily basis. It's again, it's not this big end result. It's like you're living your why every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just, I, I, I like that it can actually be simple and that we do need to take the pressure off ourselves. It's a great reminder to me. I need to take the pressure <laughs> off myself when I talk about this big, why thing. Yeah. Okay. Tell us about what you're most excited about that you're working on this year. You know, one of the things that going back to my childhood, again, I, I used to say I wanted to be a politician. Now I know that it converts to wanting to be a public speaker. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so cool um, though. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a dynamic person. I'm energetic. I have a story, a very, very powerful story that can easily be translated to most people's lives. And I want to be able to spend more time getting out into the public, getting out into businesses, small to medium-sized businesses that have, you know, like, you know, turnover is so high. Why is turnover so high? Why? Like, 
there are so many things that we can be doing inside of these businesses. And so I want to be able to be in there and teaching people about their personal development, because I think it's coupled the personal and professional development, they go hand in hand. And I think that as employers are growing their businesses, they're going to start to realize that if they're losing people, chances are it's because they've lost something in translation. There is something that is not linking to the person's personal development or even professional development, but there, there has to be more conversations about how people can grow as a person. Because if I look back at my burnout, yes, the business fosters, all businesses foster numbers. They're mm-hmm. always after numbers. And that's normal. At the end of the day, every single business is looking t- to their bottom line. They have to make money to be able to pay for people. Right. But what ends up happening is that, is that when, when we're only thinking about that, we, we lose touch with the human element. Mm-hmm. And if we teach people, like I didn't get taught that I had to take care of myself in order to learn how to create boundaries for myself mm-hmm. and creating boundaries for yourself is not saying, no, I won't do that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, you don't have to justify anything. You just have to know inside of yourself and teaching people about those boundaries and how, you know, teaching people about what's important to them, what's important in your job, what's important in your personal life. What are your personal goals? We talked a little bit about it the other day, but like if, if our leaders don't understand what our personal goals are, how are, how are they expected to help support us to be able to basically become the best person out there? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I'm excited about getting in front of more people. I did two public speaking events in December, which were not expected. One of them in front of 80 people, the other in front of about 20 people. And it was phenomenal. It was an incredible success. And I walked away from my end of the year completely and utterly grateful, thankful that I was able to have the impact that I was able to have. Yeah, that, that's that's amazing. And I know that you're going to just continue on, on that journey and getting in front of more people. I know you have a great story to tell. I so appreciate you being on the podcast so that we get a little glimpse of it, but I know that we're going to be seeing a lot more of you in yes. many different formats. So we will be keeping an eye on that and we'll put all of your links and everything into the show notes below. Is there a particular place where people can connect with you? Well, So Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, they're all there. I have a very open book profile. You know, you can follow along my journey. I do also have my website. You can go to www.crystalbrand.ca, which is the new one. It will eventually be .com as well. But you'll see if you try to search me, you'll have two two websites that come up. But my new branded website is on the CA account. Um, But yeah, you can reach out through there. I have 15-minute discovery calls to see where you're at, you know, whether you're a business that's looking to, you know, find out more about how. I can help your teams or whether you're somebody one-on-one that really just wants to start living your best life and figuring it out for yourself. I'm, I'm here to help. Amazing. Thank you so much, Crystal. It was so great to chat with you today. Thank you so much, Hallie, for having me. Honestly, I'm honored to be part of the Founder Force Multiplier community and to be on this podcast. I'm, I'm super honored, kind of fangirling still. <laughs> Thanks, Crystal. <laughs> you're welcome. Have a great day. 